This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Back here for another scintillating segment of Six Rings and Football Things. And we have a guest, a familiar face in the WEEI family, the host of First in Foxborough, our sister broadcast, our sister podcast. I don't know what you call it. Kyrie Thompson, WEEI.com's Patriots writer, joins me, Andy Hart, and Chris Scheim, the usual host of this podcast. Kyrie, how's camp going? It's good. What's up, boys? What's okay. up, man? How are you? So, so good, I teased man, but... it earlier. Anybody who's been reading WEEI.com, your work on there, listening to First in Foxborough, seeing you on Twitter, the various modern media outlets we all utilize, I think sees that you may have a hint more optimism or positivity coming out of Patriots training camp regarding the offense than most people. Cause a lot of people, me included have been pretty um, cynical calling it, you know, a bad high school offense, too much holding the ball, not enough pos- positive plays, all of that. So I want you to give me a quick, give me a quick, like what are a couple uh positive things you've seen in recent days? Well, essentially what I've seen is that, Regardless of Bill Belichick telling us it's not uh, teaching time anymore, it's production time. They're clearly still practicing the things that they don't feel they're quite as good at, which Mm -hmm. are these newer outside zone, Sean McVay kinds of concepts. But every time they sneak in one of those little things where it's like instead of an outside zone, it's a duo, like a, a standard downhill double team play action. Well, then all of a sudden it looks different, doesn't it? Right. (laughs) And and then uh, every once in a while, they'll throw in an RPO like they did some RPO yesterday. They did a little bit of RPO today as well. And you're like, huh, okay. well, that play looked good. And so what it's telling me is that, yes, it is. It is very frustrating watching them continue to rep outside zone over and over and over again. And it doesn't get blocked. It gets stopped up and they're doing play action. And Mac Jones is like, dude. I don't see anybody open and he's running around and, and you're underhanding the ball out of bounds. He's just like, come on, man. Like what's going on? As, as you, you mentioned earlier today on the Gretchen Keefe show. But I think that what I'm seeing is that when they do the things that are more endemic to them, that they did more in the past, they know, they seem to know they've got that in their back pocket. I feel like in the script, sometimes they're just like, okay, look, we're going to rep this, you know, this concept, we're going to try to get it right. But every once in a while, we'll sprinkle in a little bit of something right here that we know how to do. And then boom, hey, what do you know? Look, it works. I also think as a quick note, the two tight end stuff is looking pretty good. And that was something we were waiting all last year. Please like do the two tight end offense that we all thought we were going to see. You're seeing a little bit of it now. 
and they look good on the field together, meaning Hunter Henry and John M. Smith. Okay, so let's let's take that in a direction because I agree with you on some of the stuff, and we'll get into a philosophical topic either in this podcast or another. Because the the one thing I would question about what you said is how long do you keep trying to learn the new stuff you mm-hmm. before you just say, "Damn it, let's just do what we do." And I know the answer to that. Once the season gets here, yeah. you have to have confidence in whatever you're doing. Yeah. So they need to get up to speed with the new stuff and kind of parallel it with the old stuff, or it's just going to be the old stuff because they're only going to do what they trust. But the two tight ends thing. So I agree with you, but I think the the fan, the listener might ask two questions. Yeah. First is, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. I mean, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Jonu Smith is part of that. Also, if you're going to lean on some two tight end sets. I'm a firm believer in the national football league. That means you need three tight ends. Cause somebody's going to miss a game. Somebody's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So are you ready to trust John o. Smith in a two tight end set? But also are you ready to trust? I guess Devin Asiasi in a roster spot and a role as a third tight end. I ain't seen that yet. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, <laughs> he, he had a, he had a drop today. We're just like, come on, man. Like and he's getting he's getting clamped up in in one on ones, and so I, yeah, no, I think that's a completely valid point. And I think the key with a lot of this offensive stuff is that we keep talking about the change in scheme, and oh yeah, they're doing all this outside zone and they're changing the offense. I think really what it's going to come down to is yeah, some of the terminology and things have changed. But in terms of the play calling, I don't think they're going to go full McVay here. I think it's mainly going to be they're going to get closer to balance because they were heavily unbalanced last year and and the year before in terms of gaps and powers like that was what they did they really didn't rep outside zone very much so I think it's mainly just going to be like okay we're going to do more of this stuff because you're right I mean they're not going to sit up there and go full McVeigh if they can't run the plays it's just not practical and and I think that right now what we're seeing is that they're struggling with it to an extent that look okay I think you still you know, keep working at it because you can do some interesting change-ups that help you kind of blend a little bit of your old school stuff with the new school stuff that I feel like is really tantalizing to try. Now, with the tight end stuff, I think that with with Jonu Smith, a lot of it was a chemistry thing. And I actually asked him about this after practice, where I think it, it was kind of like, look, we had to learn from this a little bit last year. And now you know they're in a better place, so they he's worked with Mac Jones a little bit more. I feel like the rapport is definitely better. They had a little miscommunication today, though, where they they missed on what should have been a touchdown. But I feel like by and large, like in the next team segment, who was Mac Jones looking to when he needed a first down conversion when they were horrible the previous two plays? It was John U. Smith, right? Mm-hmm. They're splitting him out and they're using him in RPOs. They're putting Hunter Henry and John U. Smith on the end of the line of scrimmage and being like. Hey, block the edge on these outside runs. And weirdly enough, when they do that, the runs actually look competent. So I feel like, yes, it would be ideal to have a third, fourth tight end. And maybe from that standpoint, you might need to have Devin Asiasi on the roster, even if it's just for for blocking purposes, because I feel like one of them gets hurt. You're not trusting him to catch the ball you're gonna be like okay go in there and block at the same time i I think right now the way that this offense is looking that personnel group has been just about the only consistent positive they've had so andy and i have kind of had a a discussion the beginning of the show and and for a while now with just mac jones and the understanding of this offense he is i mean you've seen it on the field he's showing visible frustration do you believe that that's more so frustration in 
the scheme and the and the rest of the team kind of not being in the right place or not getting open? Or is it visual frustration in himself being unable to process quick enough exactly what he needs to be doing because it's new to him? I guess it's interesting because I, you know, without knowing the playbook, it's hard, it's hard to know exactly which and, and without knowing his reads, but I would say, I don't think Mac Jones is necessarily a problem here. I think that all in all, he's been fine. Like you're not seeing a whole lot of just absolutely horrible decisions and, and horrible throws and, and things like, like, come on, Mac, like, what are you doing? Like he doesn't look incompetent. I think that there are times when, He's looking at a play and he's trying to read something. I saw this yesterday where they were running like some kind of all verts concept. And I think he was looking for somebody to sit down or like exploit a window more. And they just kind of kept running downfield. No one was looking for the football. I think it was like Nelson Aguilar running up the seam. And I think that uh, Mac thought he had an opening and Nelson's not looking for the ball. And he's like, come on, man. Like he checks it down to Ty Montgomery and he's like doing the, the palms up to the air. Like what's going on here? And so I think that it's a little bit of that, just trying to get the execution part down and him being the perfectionist that he is, he wants to win every single rep. I feel like when it comes down to who do I trust to execute more, like, for example, like, is it because Mac Jones isn't processing or the rest of the offense isn't processing? I'm more inclined to think it's the rest of the offense and not Mac Jones because just everything that we've seen over the past couple of years is that he generally knows what he's doing. He prepares well, and he doesn't make a whole lot of bad mistakes. So I, I think hopefully once this operation starts to smooth out, we'll, we'll see Mac Jones just be like, look, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to keep making the right decisions, get the ball to the right people. And you see glimpses of it. I just think that the rest of the unit around him has to tighten it up some. It's interesting because that's where I wanted to go because I feel like we've seen flashes of all of the receivers looking good at yes. various points, like Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton. Actually, Kendrick Bourne might be the most quiet of the receivers so far through camp, but I feel yeah. like they've all had their – and it's weird because all we've talked about is negativity of the offense, passing game doesn't look good, and then you look at individual receiver performances, and at times it looks really good. And I even – yesterday when Jacoby Myers talked to the media, he was very bullish on the group. Yeah. He's like, I think we have great things we can do. Are you buying the idea, which was sort of posed coming into camp, that they can be better than the sum of their parts? Yes, they don't have an all-pro. They don't have a Pro Bowl. They don't have a number one. But they have a bunch of pretty good receivers, including, I think, Tyquan Thornton. I think he's gotten off to a nice start. Do you, are you buying the upside of the receiver group, I guess? I mean, I'm buying the original supposition that it can be greater than the sum of their parts. And and I I like what Tyquan Thornton's been doing. And, and I like the fact that he has been really going in on special teams and and applying a lot of effort there that's what's going to get him on the field and it's not just about like I, i've seen scenarios where he's going down the field and he's drawing two defenders already because they know about him they know about his speed and you know he has i haven't seen the ball hit the ground one time when it when it's come his way even if he catches it out of bounds he's still catching it so i i like what he's been doing the thing is that Yes, in an individual standpoint and one-on-ones, they look good. Like they're breaking these cornerbacks off and 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 getting open. And there'd be times where you see it in, in team drills, you're like, man, that looks good. But 
it's weird that you have these McVeigh-ish concepts where you got the tight splits and bunch formations and making things weird for defenders. Like, okay, I can't really jam you. Where are you going to go? And they're still not getting open. And I think I noticed it a little bit finally during one of those team drills that the mesh points and, and kind of the, 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 the route breaks, how they all are supposed to work together. Some of it's just not quite there yet. They're kind of, sometimes running into each other a little bit and and the the traffic is getting too congested and they're not getting open the way that they should because they're trying to like step around each other right or they're like running into a defender so i i would hope that once the the familiarity starts coming through we're going to see a little bit of that but yeah, I think it's been frustrating and, and, and stuff because this is supposed to be easier for the receivers to get open and it's right. not happening. That said, you see glimpses of, yeah, when they get one-on-one matchups, they can be tough. They can all be really tough to stop on their own. And you would think that when you put it all together, when you have you know a bunch of good receivers, right, okay to slightly better than average, that you could have a better than average receiver unit, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, as with this podcast, and I feel like every other show and podcast out there, it's been primarily focused on the offense. From the defensive side of the football, let's give them a little bit of love here. We, you know, Andy and I have done a bad job of doing that this week. <laughs> but uh, uh, who is standing out on the defense? Like, I, I mean, I, the name that keeps popping up, and you even mentioned it on the Greg Hill show this morning, was is Christian Barmore. He's the guy that seems to be the name that keeps popping up and keeps being the guy that could just completely break out this year is that the one guy that's standing out or are there others also that are standing out as well i mean he is just an absolute wrecking ball right now like watching him in one-on-ones michael and when did get him today during uh one of the one-on-ones but then he got on when back and beat him and then he just absolutely abused poor james ferentz with him with with a club move where it's just like <laughs> oh man that that's that's tough but i would say aside from him I'm seeing flashes that I like from Mac Wilson. And I think that when it comes down to those sub packages, he's going to be the guy who, who's, who's in there covering and flying around. I mean, he, he popped JJ Taylor at the goal line the other day where it just seemed like he came out of nowhere, right? Like I thought that was, that was an open hole. JJ was going to stroll into the end zone. And then Mac Wilson just skirts around somebody scrapes over the top and just whap, just takes him to the ground. So I like what I've seen from him and I'm weirdly not bullish, but like weirdly positive about Jalen Mills. I think mm-hmm. that very quietly, I mean, I'm not going to say he's Stefan Gilmore or JC Jackson, but he has consistently acquitted himself well as kind of the most reliable of the cornerback room so far. He's rarely getting just abused and beat. Like sometimes he loses, right? Sometimes he gets boxed out by, uh, you know, Devonte Parker, or he got beat during one-on-ones by Taekwon Thornton on what I thought was an awesome catch. It was like some Willie Mays-esque stuff, but he's always around the ball. He's got his arms in there. He's not out of position. And, and he has consistently made plays when the opportunity calls for it. So I'm, I'm not ready to say that, oh yeah, that cornerback room might be better than, than we think it is, but it might not be as bad potentially as as we feared that it might be as long as they kind of requisitely protect these guys and don't ask them to play man coverage all the time one more name in there marcus jones i've i have consistently seen the arrow going up 
on Marcus Jones and seen him get increased reps, even though Jonathan Jones is back and he's looked really good too, Jonathan Jones. But Marcus Jones, I think, is going to play himself into some snaps because he is he is quick as it's all get out. Tyquan Thornton can't get away from this guy even. And you know, he's he's been you know doing some tight coverage in people's hip pockets, and he's probably gonna be the starting punt returner on this team. So I really like what I've seen from Marcus. I'm glad you brought up all those names because that's where I want to go next because I think, and this is nothing new with a Bill Belichick defense. I always talk about the early 2000s when he had, it almost seemed like he always had three guys for two spots and he could rotate them through. Now, when they were at their best, the three guys were like, you know, Willie McGinnis, Mike Vrabel, and, you know, they were all yeah. Pro Bowl caliber players. I'm we not ain't got that right now. <laughs> no, but will he have enough of the bodies to play chess, quote unquote, while offenses maybe play checkers? Because I, I don't personally believe they are good enough talent wise on defense to roll even even say 13 or 14 guys out there. I feel like yeah. they may need to go. 16 17 18 deep with him the puppeteer in the background like each week figuring out who are the guys who are the matchups what is our game plan do you think they are deep enough on defense for him to be able to overcome maybe the lack of high-end talent well at some position groups yes like safety yeah, I think you're deep enough to do that. You've got four safeties that, I mean, assuming, you know, Jabril Peppers is, is healthy enough to get rolling. You got four guys that you feel good about and one guy in Joshua Bledsoe, who's been playing real well this camp. So Definitely. that that's your best position group right there, probably on the entire roster. Then with cornerback, you can see some of the makings of it. I don't know that I love the outside cornerback group quite as much, but I mean, you got Marcus Jones and, and Jonathan Jones in, in the slot, and I've actually seen a flash or two from Sean Wade recently, which we hadn't really seen or heard a whole lot from him uh, for, for much of training camp, but he had a really nice pass breakup today. So I don't know. I, I feel like that room, I'm not so much as like, oh, yeah, look at how deep and good your cornerback room is. It's like, okay, you got a bunch of average dudes that you can cycle in and out depending on the matchup and what suits you best. At, at the time linebacker not so sure about uh, I just feel like we haven't really seen as much from Raekwon McMillan and Cameron McGrone when they're actually on defense whereas you know Mac Wilson I think you feel a little bit better about Jelani Tavai was a guy I'd seen flashing a little bit and he's hurt and I don't know if we're going to see him again unfortunately um, and then on the defensive interior yeah, you've got some guys that, that can that can rotate in and out that you feel okay about, but are they really good aside from Christian Barmore? I don't know. And that includes Devon Godshaw, best uh, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. He's made some plays, but I don't know that I feel that strongly about him. So I feel like almost by default, they are going to have to rely on depth because, as you said, they do not have the top-end talent. This is not the boogeyman defense from a couple of years ago where you got Stefan Gilmore just locking everything up on one side of the field and JC Jackson locking everything up on the other side and then hellacious pass rush, right? This is going to be a mix and match. You like Bill Belichick's going to have to scheme his butt off with this defense. He is the new face voice, uh, keyboard, whatever you want to call it. EEI.com. <laughs> and we urge you, if you are a fan of the six rings and football things pod to also subscribe 
listen to. Give Kyrie and company a chance over on First and Foxborough. And by the way, his is a little different in that doing some player interviews, bringing in some various guests from around the NFL. If you like analytics, he's a little bit more open-minded toward analytics than I am. Definitely. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I'm very close-minded in that area, but he is open-minded to that. And I think, I think if you're a true Patriots fan, that there is sort of a parallel path where the six rings and the first from Foxborough podcast can uh, can fill in your void of, of knowledge during the football season. So, Kyrie, appreciate you joining us, giving us some insight from the first eight days of practice, and I'm sure we will have you on again sometime. Thanks so yes, much, Kyrie. Yes, indeed. Crossover events all day at Odyssey and WEEI. What's up? Y'all have a great rest of your day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.